<laughs> so you also don't want to burp on the podcast. So I packed my bags and I packed my acoustic. Then I moved to a town that is known for live music. Learned a cover or two so I know how to do it. Now I write my own songs. There's nothing to quit. What's up, everybody? It is Saturday, June 29th, 2019. And this is singer-songwriter with Tom Meany. What's up, Natalie? Hello. Today, how does it feel to be the very first guest of singer-songwriter? Well, feels pretty cool, to be <laughs> honest. I've also got Mr. Ray Prim. Say what's up, Ray. What's up, Ray? DJ Khaled! Why? <laughs> That's the one thing I was going to tell you. Get rid of that. <laughs> Uh, Ray is going to be the honorary co-host for the day, which I felt would be a great idea for episode one. So Natalie, I was at your show last night. I thought it was a great show. In the heat. It was very hot. It it's, it's surprisingly cooled off though. The it, sun went down and then it, then a breeze picked up and we're all like, yes, this is good. Natalie played at tips concerts, which is a, a house concert venue in Austin, um, which is outdoors in the country. And it's run by uh, a guy named Mark Addison and um, Wendy Colonna. Both of them are singer songwriters. Mark is also a producer, but it's a unique house show in that it's run by other singer songwriters. And Natalie played with James Dean and I mean, James Jean, <laughs> James, and Dean. James Jean, who I'll be playing a show with and uh, Aubrey, Haze. Um, it was a great eclectic show because everybody was so different. I was really impressed. The heat didn't even bother me. Mm. It was. I'm uh, impressed that the heat didn't bother you. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't go in full long sleeve shirt and tuxedo <laughs> attire, but yeah, it did cool off w relatively quickly. I did get eaten up though. Oh, no. Did you, do you have any, any scars from your performance? Because I have scars from last week. Actual physical scars? Yeah. Um, I had some itchy spots on my thighs. <laughs> so I was like, are those mosquitoes getting me through jeans? Because yeah. that's not cool. See, oh, these, are, obviously that. these are the things of this. Earth. No, these are the things <laughs> that you have to deal with playing shows as a singer-songwriter. Sometimes it's 100 degrees out. Ray won't take a show in no. certain months if it's outdoors. I will not. I, um, no. You just played something similar. Outdoors? Recently. Yeah, out in Dripping Springs. Oh, yeah, I did that for the Dripping Springs thing. It's, it was... Um, it's like a promo was, show? Yeah, where was that? It was at a... Uh, got a huge fan underneath a, a big old tent thing. Um, 
where was that? Headwater. Oh, live Headwater. Yeah. Played with Chris Taylor and um. Oh, nice. And um, uh, I can't remember her name now. That's terrible. This is live. Yeah. <laughs> Unedited, um, dude. Ali, Ali, no, Ali Tadro, but um, Ali Holder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Allie right. Holder. I remember love her. That's one of the reasons why why Quanta wanted did it because I love they paired me up with Ali Holder. I dig her music, but and it's just a heat stroke ain't worth it for me. Yeah, I, I, I like to be comfortable. So here's the question that I wanted to ask you, Natalie. So here's why it's a perfect, you're the perfect first guest for singer-songwriter because I envision people that were like myself a few years ago just thirsting for knowledge from other people in the same situation. So, Or even... I feel like I was asking a lot of questions a year ago. I was asking you a lot of questions a year ago. Yes. So Natalie and I... Blind leading the blind. (laughs) 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 Natalie and I have been friends for, I don't know, a year and a half or maybe two years. I don't know how long it's been. But, you know, and I see um, what Natalie has been able to accomplish in the last year. And I think that she's a great example of why people come to Austin and why people envision Austin in the light, you know, they, when people hear Austin that live outside of Austin, they think music utopia, they think live music capital of the world. And Natalie's a great example of, I guess the culture of Austin. See, we don't have all the industry that Nashville and LA have. We don't have record labels. We don't necessarily have agents and record companies, but we do have a lot of people that do do it yourself kind of recording and booking and touring. And within the last year, I've seen Natalie kind of do all of this. So this is why I think that you're a perfect first guest because I envision people like me a few years back that were seeking this kind of knowledge. And some of the things we'll talk about today, I think will be interesting, interesting for singer-songwriters who are trying to find out, okay, is it time for me to record? Is it time for me to uh, start trying to book shows? What are the things that are necessary to make those things a reality? And for some people, I would say it's not time yet, you know? But so you moved here how long ago? 2010. And you were from kind of the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Yeah. And so how did your music, I don't want to say how did it start, because I'm sure just like everyone else, you you were interested in it a long, long time ago. But how did you decide, okay, I want to start playing music. I want to write my own songs. And then eventually, what led you to recording? I mean, it is a a kind of a longer, if I actually think through my life, like it's been, like I've wanted to do something having to do with writing music for a long time. Like, actually, since I first started loving music, which was in junior high, I just didn't love a lot of the music we listened to when I was a kid. Um, And when I kind of started to get to choose my own music is when I started to actually like music. And I was like, man, I would like to do this. I want to make this. I want to make something that makes me feel the way I'm feeling right now listening to this other music. 
Um, and I want to share that with other people. But at the time I was too scared to perform. So I was like, I want to do that and produce music and then not get on a stage ever. That was, (laughs) then I was like, but I don't, I don't, at that time I was like in eighth grade. I was like, but that's not a real thing. Like if you, I knew that, or I thought I knew then, like if, if you make music, you have to get on a stage and perform it because that's how you like touring is how you make money. Somehow that was what I, that's, I knew that as an eighth grader. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and so I was writing music even at that time, bad music, (laughs) but I was writing music. But so at that time, did you kind of envision yourself touring? Like, were you, did you have grand, you know, dreams of being a rock star or being a pop star? Kind of. Yes. But they're more like embarrassing. Cause I was like, I didn't even know what a boy band was. And I was like, I just want to join that band (laughs) cause I had a crush on all the people in it. What band? Like, (laughs) Oh, don't go there. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like, because there, there's like some, you know, behind the scenes documentary, like touring, because I didn't know what touring looked like. And then I'm seeing it. I'm like, that'd be so cool. But, I, you know, as an eighth grader, yeah, that'd be so cool. Probably, no, would not have been. But, um, yeah, I, like I wanted it, but I was way too scared to get on stage. And I didn't really have any songs I could play. I couldn't play guitar at the time. I didn't get my first guitar till ninth grade. But I was still like, I, I had, there were melodies always coming and like I'd always put words to melodies and I have really, I kept some of the earlier songs I wrote and they're terrible. Like just really, <laughs> I think that's really the terrible. same for all of us. So when you, okay, so when you got a little older, what was it that brought you to Austin? Was music what brought you to Austin, playing music? No, I... I didn't even realize, I mean, maybe faintly in the back of my mind, like someone mentioned ACL and South by, and I kind of vaguely knew what those things were, but I'd never been and didn't really know about it. Um, my family's not really a family that goes to shows, so I hadn't been to a whole lot of shows even. Um, and so I came actually for a job. Um, I worked at this outdoor camp thing and that's how I got to know really the hill country. And then through that, I was getting more involved in Austin. And then I started, um, I'm trying to think I started, I've met a, a musician that was pretty influential in inspiring me to actually get out and play at an open mic. She's not even in town anymore, but just actually meeting other musicians and like kind of realizing, Oh, there's this whole other like scene in Austin and yeah, but I mainly came for a job. Like I didn't even, music wasn't even like the reason that I came. Did you regularly do the open mic kind of scene or was just, was it sporadic? Um, I think it was pretty sporadic because my job was, my schedule was pretty sporadic. Um, we, I was on a small staff and we ran a camp. And so like, if you have people on the, you have people at random times throughout the week. So you can never like consistently be going to open the open right. mic on the same night of the week, every week. And so I, what I'm trying to find out is, so the transition from when you kind of decided, all right, I want to seriously write songs. And then the transition from that to how your album came about your EP. That's a good question. Did you have, one song written, two songs writ- written, yeah. and you felt like 
you know, these are something I want to record? Or did you say, okay, I've got six songs. Let's get in the studio now. Okay, well, I will, I just remembered there, I guess maybe in high school, I had it in my mind that I was going to record a demo. And that I was trying to figure out how to like save up money. And then this guy at my youth group was like, oh yeah, I know someone will record for like 150 per song. I was like, oh, cool. I can save up for that. Like that is a physical amount. I have a goal. I can save up for it. And then it ended up that I got some birthday money and that was the exact amount I needed for like two or three, I think guess two songs. And I went to my parents and I was like, guess what? I just got this money and I'm going to go record. And they're like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So they just like shut it down. And, uh, how old were you then? I think I was in like a sophomore maybe. Okay. So I had a couple songs written at the time. Uh, looking back, I would not record them now, but I, I mean, I had whole songs. Why'd they shut you down? Um, they've, they just considered it a waste of money. So, and they were like, no, you need to say goodbye to this dream. I said they didn't support you at all. Not then. Do they support you now? I would say so. Um, well, I know I saw like, like an Instagram an ad- post of you playing oh, for yeah. your grandmother or some family event recently. Yes, that's, that was a huge, that meant a lot to me. It was my dad's birthday. Um, he just turned 60 and, um, that meant a lot to me that he wanted me to be there. Cause I'm like, I didn't, I definitely, I felt more like they were like, you need to focus on school and get through school and do these things. And like, you don't need to be spending money on music kind of stuff. Right. And so, but they, they also, they bought me a guitar. I think my senior year of high school, like a nice classical guitar. Cause I was taking classical lessons at the time. So like, it's not like they've been totally unsupportive just in certain things. They're very practical minded and they're like, no, you're not spending your money on that. So I just, Shut, shut down in different ways, some outside of my control, but then some self-sabotage throughout life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I had whole songs at the time. And then like in college I was writing songs, but I, I started learning like some covers in college. And then um, when I played the first open mic, the very first open mic I played was in a little bar in New Jersey. <laughs> and it was a song I had just written to record with this band up there. And they were like, you're going to play the open rank, right? And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. And they're like, you're going to play the open mic, right? And I was like, what? I don't have a guitar that plugs in. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're going to play my guitar. And I'm like, uh, okay. That never worked. <laughs> so um, I, but I only played one song. It was like a two song open mic. I, I only played one. And I was like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but then I, re- I was so scared really. And then I was less scared because I was like, oh, why was I so scared? I had to fly to New Jersey and go to this little bar in the middle of nowhere that doesn't even exist anymore and play this open mic to realize, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. Right. It's Sometimes it's really funny how your perception of certain things um, at first and then how it changes when you finally do it. Like I, my first time um, on the radio was Dudley and Bob's uh, 93.7 Dudley and Bob have a morning show and um, they had a contest where it was like their Christmas show and you'd send in your song and if they chose you you came in and sang your song at the Christmas show was it a cover or was it your song I did a cover so other people submitted covers but also a lot of people submitted original stuff but I did um Winter Song by Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson. And they liked it, so I won, and they let me 
beyond there, right? So I was so nervous because I didn't memorize the song. When I recorded it, I was sitting in front of my computer, which has the words right in front of me. So I recorded it, um, you know, without memorizing the entire song. And then when I had to come do the show, it was like the show starts at six in the morning and Bob Schneider was playing that show. Um, like the same um, day he was yes, playing on it. <laughs> he's playing after me. Um, like Whoa, Grupo no Fantasmo pressure. or something. I don't remember all the people, but the show started. I got through it. I think I saw a video. Like it, there it, is it a video fine. out there and it was fine. Which is a funny thing inside. <laughs> I was, mortified you just bring the lyrics i had the, the lyrics on my guitar i'm saying wasn't this radio it was radio why can't you just put it, a piece of paper on the because there was a live studio of like a hundred people in there yeah. live morning this was like a special show right because all like you know when bob schneider's playing everybody's gonna try and get in there uh. and um anyway i got through it and then i remember as i left and i was driving home like what have i been so scared about why have I been so scared? Yeah. Because I've been playing guitar for my whole life and, and I've been singing a little while. And so that moment and then another moment um, when I got pulled up on stage uh, with somebody a couple years later, those two things combined kept me from being nervous anymore. I have nerves like song one, regardless of what I'm, where I'm playing or in front of who or how many people. I just have those initial jitters, but after that I'm pretty good. So would you say that from when you kind of got serious about playing out and last night's show, are you still, do you still have nerves? Yeah, I'll get nervous sometimes. I try and pay attention because that's when I get nervous, that's kind of, a um not a warning but like a hey you need to think about where your head is right now like because I'm I usually something's a little out of line in my head if I'm nervous about something or as I recently discovered you know maybe eating a donut at Gordo's right before show is <laughs> not the best <laughs> right because <laughs> your blood sugar spikes yeah. and it's oh, speaking that, of I need to test my I don't I haven't oh yeah we'll do that I haven't done that <laughs> recently i mean i sort of recently i didn't realize there was a connection between like something i, I usually don't eat very much sugar before a show but i made an exception because it hadn't been to gordo's right um sometimes i do but generally like even so now between even like two years ago maybe it's two and a half years ago i remember playing a show and it was like a background music gig and it was like two hours and I was really intimidated and I got a friend to play with me. And even then I was still really, I was so nervous for some reason. And a lot of it was just like, some of it was not knowing who I was. And like, as I've, and we're always getting older and maturing. And so like, we're coming into ourselves more and more, but some of that's been really delayed with me. And, but a lot of it's solidified in the last couple of years and it just took pushing through it to get there. Right. But sometimes like I, I was nervous. I've, I get nervous at random times, but I have just have to stop and like refocus and be like, all right, come on. Like, yeah, this is a cool show, but this is not a make or break show. Like I'm not going to go, I'm not like 
no one's going to take my guitar away. Right. <laughs> it's I, not like you're auditioning for uh, America's Got Talent or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like it's, yeah. and I've done, I've done that one, uh, I did a, I auditioned for uh, something one time. That was pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. I think I auditioned for The Voice maybe. Yeah. And like totally didn't make it to any of, any round, whatever. But uh, just I've the waiting, that. the waiting for the eight hours is like all this build up, and then you get like 30 seconds. <laughs> I, you know what the trick is? Here's a trick. For those of you listening that are interested in auditioning for America's Got Talent specifically, show up late on Sunday because they do these things on Saturday and Sunday. Show up late when the cattle call, the 10,000 people in the middle of the room are gone. Then you show up because then you don't have to wait eight hours. And it's all the same producers. So I've done it like I've done the voice twice. One time cattle call. Second time was I was invited because they have these things here in Austin. You probably invited before, right? You've told me about. I gave it to Mexican chocolate. Right. But you you know the, the private invite for yeah. the voice, right? Yeah. So they'll have it at a local studio and they'll invite local um, artists that are kind of already established. And so those folks don't have to stand through eight hours of, you know, whatever at houston reliant stadium and so i've done that twice the first time thank you very much have a good day and the second time um same thing except i sang more i said like you're supposed to have three songs ready uh ali tadros was in front of me ali's a, a singer songwriter that used to live in town and now lives in brooklyn but um, was a was an established singer songwriter at the time. Tamika Jones was there. Kalu James was there. P- all these people that I recognized, I didn't know any of them at that time, but they were all at this one audition, and uh, I was in and out in mm, two minutes. And I was expecting, okay, I'm going to play this song, and then they're going to want me to play this song, and then they're going to want me to play this song. Had all this stuff planned and rehearsed, and. It was, it was, thank you very much. And not even thank you very much. We'll let you know, not, uh, we'll call you within this many days. It was, thank you very much and shoot back out. Um, but on America's got talent, if you go in late, then you can not have to sit in line. And I was lucky enough to be an alternate one year. Um, but if those of you, those of you who are listening, if you're thinking about doing those shows, think long and hard about it because, um, I know several people, Ray knows several people. I don't know. Natalie knows some people that have been on. And, um, one of the things that they've all told me is that one, you don't get to choose your songs. If you get on the show Two, a lot of stuff is not as it seems television, it is television. So they're trying to make a very compelling show. And as you'll notice on all those shows, most of the people seem to have this sob story and almost 90% of them cry at some point. Well, I mean, some of it's even, even made up. They, I mean, I don't, when Susanna Shafel was on there, they made her seem like she was just this teacher who had, who caught a break. <laughs> She's been playing around the country. Right. Since forever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying they made it, they made it look like, Oh my God, this is a big break. She's been a teacher. Yeah. Now she's on The Voice. Yeah. So you, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, this girl just played New York. I mean, it helped her, but I had no, when they came to me, I had no desire to do it, man. 
I, I can't stand those shows. I had no desire to do it. Do you watch the shows? No. I love watching the shows. I don't. Baby Which C ones watches do you them. watch? I watch um, The Voice and I watch, uh, well, I haven't watched America's Got Talent since Howard Stern is not on anymore, but I love The Voice, but I only love, and even American Idol, but I only love the beginning part of the season. I don't like the middle part. What's I don't like part? seeing two people in a boxing ring. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah having to uh, fight it out vocally. Right. Because so one, it doesn't make any sense Two, sometimes they match people that are completely different. So if they have you singing some R and B song and one, the person you're singing against is Tamika Jones but you're a folk singer, then the vocal, you know, gymnastics that Tamika Jones can do are going to be very impressive, but they sometimes make those weird matchups. So you could be the best folk singer in the world, but it wasn't a good matchup. So you're gone like week one. So I don't like to see that. I love to see the part though, when people get selected mm -hmm. because I like to see people, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I like to see Rejected. people being validated. Oh, okay. I don't like... See, American Idol doesn't even do that anymore where they have the really terrible people just one after the next because it's funny. such a mean concept. But I love to see people who were previously, you know, undiscovered really, but then get validation. I love it. It makes me emotional. I like to see it. But then I know in the back of my head, yeah, so this is the happiest day of this kid's life. But then week two, he's going home. <laughs> and so all that happiness oh. and joy, that buildup and dreams, and you know, the big dream that now is, is coming to fruition will be done in a week or two for, for most of them. Well, I mean, you might think that, but Susanna was off in a week or two and she went back to her, her life and it actually helped her as far as numbers coming to her shows and everything. Like you, you definitely get, you definitely get, you know, like Brian pounds, you know, you get that residual, um, Brian pounds was on the voice. Yeah. I know that Brian, Nakia, um, uh, Susanna, Ty, who? Ty Austin. Oh yeah. Ty. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Rebecca Lobey. Yeah. But, or was that Rebecca Lobby was on the on the voice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. On like one of the first, like the first season. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. There's a lot of people and it oh, does, because so I mean, you can put it show. on your, you know, when you put it on your promotion, like a poster or whatever, I've never seen, seen anybody. Yeah. I've never seen anyone really Kinda do that though. On. Maybe, maybe it's kind of cheesy, but I've never seen Rebecca Lobby's promo, you know, as seen on The Voice. She you, must I've have, never because I didn't that. know she was on The Voice. I would also say yeah. I like to watch, like, I'll catch recaps on YouTube later of The Voice, like, whenever the, the chairs will turn around or whatever. Yeah. And that's really cool to watch. Or, like, I'll catch, you know, like, some shocking eight-year-old, you know, singing a Janis Joplin, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, when you see those videos, a lot of them are, the like, The Voice the British version or oh, yeah. I, well, they I just, always have really great ones as well, but I watch them from around the world. I don't care. I just want to, you know, like I love the, this, uh, like the difference you, like the person that you see, you like, I love how you can't judge a book by its cover basically. 
and like, you know, like, oh, wow, that is a four-year-old child. <laughs> like, that is a grown voice right. coming right. out of that child. Like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, so, not just children, but also like older people. But This is kind of a good topic in that, you know, when I first kind of started out, and Ray, let me introduce Ray properly for those of you listening. It's, it's, it's really fascinating because I've only put out a pilot, and I've had people, you can tell where people are listening from, from all over. And there's only a five-minute pilot out. But for those of you who are not from Austin, Texas, Ray Prim, my buddy here, is a longtime Austin musician. Um, he used to be in a rock band called Seven Stones way back in the day. And then uh, has kind of moved into um, a, more of a soul acoustic kind of sound with his band. So now he plays with a, a seven piece. Is it seven pieces still or is there more now? Um, got more strings. No, it's seven. All right. So he's got a seven piece band that includes like a tiny orchestra, um, piano, great bass player, drummer. Ray plays and sing, plays guitar and sings main vocals, but then he also has a, a another vocalist. His name is uh, Mike Robledo, but he's known more in this town as Mexican Chocolate. Um, and if if you are old enough, you you might remember the band Jodeci from back in the day, Casey and JoJo. <laughs> this dude sings like Casey and JoJo. I mean that kind of era, and just a great vocalist. Anyway, Ray is, 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 was vital in, in my starting to play uh, live. You know, I guess one day he saw one of my YouTube videos and then reached Job out to video. me. Yeah, there's a song called Job. Before I started recording, I would do songs on YouTube. And uh, Ray saw that. He reached out to me on Facebook, asked me if uh, I maybe wanted to play a song at one of his shows or asked me to open up at Flipnotics or something like that. And then from that point on, I would play a couple songs from time to time during the middle of his set, which was really strange because Ray's got this really energetic band. And then all of a sudden to in the middle of the set, uh, bring a acoustic singer songwriter with only guitar up. What you, what you, are gambling is that your crowd is not going to leave during that. And so he, uh, was brave enough to do that. And then from that point on, I, Ray and I have played shows together for the last, I don't know how many years, but so that's my introduction of Ray Prim, but um, I'm glad that you're here by the way. Um, so what I want to do though, cause both of us have heard Natalie's EP and I'm fascinated by this as a debut and without a record label behind it, because the quality of the EP is, you know, something I would expect from a major record label. And a lot of that has to do with your songwriting and your angelic voice. <laughs> Angel. But uh, a lot of that also has to do with the producer that you chose. At some point, did you have all the songs before you went into the studio? Were they all completed? No, one of them I wrote, I didn't finish till like 2 a.m. on the very last day in studio. So how long were you actually, how long was the, from day one till you finished tracking? We, I took off a week from work 
and um, but we needed an extra day. So it was like a five day work week. Right. And then he uh, I mean, I went back to work and he did some back layers on that last day. And then I did some harmonies that evening. OK. So it ended up being about six business days. So in a week you had a song, at least one song that you wrote during that week. Well, it was these days. Yeah. And I had literally written the melody and the structure for it the week before for a soul writer um, thing. And then like the night before I went in studio, I got an email from Brian and with the set list of what he thought were the five songs. I was like, Oh, there's definitely two of those that I don't want to do. I want to do this other one or these other two songs. And he just scratched one of them completely. It's an acapella song and just, He's like, it doesn't fit the vibe of the album. I'm right. Like, okay. Well, then I sent a panic email with like, well, here's like 12 other songs I've written, you know, either recently or longer ago. And I could, you know, do something, finish them or whatever. And he chose the, these days. And, but the lyrics were not solid. There wasn't much of a story. It was mainly the melody and vibe of the song. So that's what we, he chose that one. And I, I loved it. So I was like, cool. And I was like, shoot, I have to like, actually like I have to finish the lyrics so like that's why I say like I basically rewrote the whole song lyrically that week and I didn't finish it till like 2 a.m on Friday morning like the last day the last day that we were going to be tracking you know I want to back up because you said something that I want to talk about and you're obviously okay with it but some musicians in Austin are sensitive about talking about this you have a day job Mm mm-hmm I have a day job. Ray? Yeah. Ray has a day job. Um, so for those of you who are not from Austin or for, or for those of you who are beginning your music career, I think it's important that people kind of know the reality because a lot of people, when, again, I mentioned this before, but like, for example, we have these huge festivals in this town and people come from, you know, Amsterdam. 19-year-old kids in a band, they've heard nothing but great things about South by Southwest, things they've seen on TV. Back in the day, people would get signed at South by Southwest. I believe John Mayer, back back way back in the day. I believe John Mayer, actually, that's how he was discovered. And um, that doesn't really happen anymore, but we still have you know, hundreds of people, uh, musicians that fly in each year from Europe because they think that they're going to be playing in front of a room full of industry, uh, you know, big wigs that just have contracts and a pen in their hand, just waiting to throw them out. And, um, but that's not the reality. And so some of these kids, sadly, I mean, they'll sell everything they have just to get that ticket and to have a place to stay when they're here. But it's important that people know the reality, right? So one, but there are industry people here that aren't normally here. They are actually here, but it's like, do you have somebody on your team that can get that person in the room? There are, but you know what I've found is typically when there is some sort of showcase and there are industry people, it's somebody that already has like a crazy buzz from whatever they've released independently. You know, if you're going to be playing, especially non-official shows, it's safe to say industry folks aren't going to be there unless just by a whim, like 
hey, I heard this Mexican restaurant's good. Let's go get some burritos. And that place has showcases during the week, right? Because everybody has a showcase. Right. Um, yeah, it's totally, it is, there's a slim, like, it is possible, but like unlikely. It's possible. I would say don't sell all your gear oh, or yeah. everything you own to get here. But the main point I'm making is all three of us, and we're all at three different levels of our career, right? What If you want to call it that for me, um, we all have day jobs. And so do most of the people that we that are in our circles. Um, so I wanted to make sure that people are aware of that. And now it is sensitive for a lot of people because the problem is if you don't have a day job, you're struggling regardless of what your level is in this town, because you know, just whatever's happening with the music industry, you know, the people aren't really selling music. So you are struggling and you're, you're living on, you know, from couch to couch or, um, having to do um, shows that maybe you don't want to play just to make it, just to make your, your you know, be able to eat. But then if you have a day job and you talk about it, uh, psychologically people kind of maybe don't take you as seriously for some reason. That's but really, it's such a necessity these days. Um, it's such a necessity to have a day job. And... Uh, you you told me, as a matter of fact, a really interesting and and I think important quote from David Ramirez, who's like one of my favorite singer-songwriters. But I think you said he was talking to some group that you were in attendance with, and, and he said, um, don't quit your day job until you have so much work that you can't work your day job. And I think that's a really important um, thing to say to folks because – the reality is this town is so expensive. I mean, not only are, are you not making a ton of money at gigs, um, but this town happens to be one of the most you know expensive places to live, especially in Texas. I mean, it's not like L.A., but it's hard to find a place. You and, and people will have multiple roommates. And, um, you know, when you get to my age, that's just not even a, an option. <laughs> Salud. Salud. Um, another thing I want to talk about, though, I have a um, question, though. I have a question. If the industry, everything people talk about, the main thing they're talking about is like how the industry is not what it was, how the record labels don't do as much as you need. Um, independence. Why would you even worry about where you live and going to these cities, like going to L.A. or going to Nashville? Because we're going, like people, I'm moving to Nashville because the industry is there, but the industry is falling apart. But like, there's just still a presence there. There's a presence. A presence for what though? That's what I understand. Like, I mean, but okay. Well, let me put it to you in this, this, this way. Like, if you were a actor, or if you wanted though. to be an actor, that's way different though. You got to get another me another one because you have to. Like, actor is, is different. You have to go on auditions. Like, you can play. Like our audition for us to play. I mean, like you could build a if you build a solid following, right? Right. For example, right now, perfect example. Here's, and here's an example, and I, and I was noticing this. The Black Pumas have blown up faster than any band I have seen in Austin, I think, in my entire life living here, <laughs> okay? They don't, live in, they don't live in Nashville. They don't live in, what you call it, the area, what you call it, an, um, guitar player, Adrian Cassad. He's always lived here. He's, he's, he's played in different places, but they have completely blown up. But the thing, what, what, 
here's my thing, and I and it's harsh to say it. You either have it or you don't. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like I mean, you there's levels of having it in certain things. You might be where you at, like Bill Withers said. Look around. This might be as good as it gets for you. But I've never seen a band blow up like that without moving anywhere. Like they played three shows, they but they played a month of residencies. But will they move? Is the question. <clears throat> they might. I mean, they might move if they want to. That that depends on life. But they don't have to. Like they right. No I think you're right. It, you, there's a level of you either have it or you don't. And when you're at a certain level, like uh, Gary Clark Jr. Uh, who I know has a house move. here, right? He yeah. bought some big land, some land out here somewhere. Um, I think that is the exception. I think with the internet now, nowadays, like this whole thing that you have to go move and live in, like maybe back in the day, yeah, let's pack up our bags and let's go to, let's get to this industry and go knock on the doors of these record labels. But record labels can't do anything for you. Like they're, they're falling apart themselves. Like the, like Spotify, all these things are, are making the record label obsolete almost. So you move into these things and you get these record deals. It's not the same as it used to be. Like that model, I think we should tell people, get that out your head. Like go do it yourself. Like go out there and do as much as you can yourself. Learn how to work the internet. Learn how, like even Kevin Hart said, he's his own media person now. Yeah. Like he uses yeah. Instagram and social media, like use social media, use Facebook, I wouldn't say as much, but there's got to be a way to to work. Like, there's another guy. Um, you sent me that thing. Remember that guy you sent me? He 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 made his album go number what two one. He charted on the Billboard. Yeah, hold on. With, without without even this a record is, label behind him. But this is a good segue. You you mentioned um, all this do it yourself stuff, and Natalie is the best example of of. Her social media presence, I know that you do a lot of research about the ins and outs of social media and like things like when should you post? Things like what time of day is the best time to post? So I, I Not so, don't give me too much credit. Well, like I'm still learning about all that. I stuff. can tell you all that. Yeah. Ray <laughs> might actually I know that, more. I did all the history. No, Tina taught me that. Tina went to a class. Do you, do you, pay for advertisement on Facebook for your shows? I am getting into the place where I normally am, depending on the show. How Not much necessarily, do you pay? Well, it depends on how big the show is. And I'm still figuring some of that out because I hadn't really paid up until the EP release. And that's where I really started. And I was just like talking with Noelle because we were sharing a bill. Noelle Hampton from The Bell Sounds. Um, and she was telling me her strategy and I was like, cool, I'm going to need to match it. Cause obviously I want to pull my weight in this show. See, And so she was telling me all the things she was doing and I was like, uh, okay. So I, <laughs> I was like, okay, well I will match the dollars for sure. And then start experimenting from here on out. So I feel like I've invested a good chunk in advertising and I talked to like, so I also talked to Daisy O'Connor and she said, yeah, I'll always throw in like maybe $10 just because you never know. And she says, more often than not, I have someone that's like, yeah, I saw it on Facebook and I just came. Right. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, it couldn't hurt. But then I feel the same way about the express lane on Mopac. Like, cool. I need to get downtown tonight. I have a show and I'm like, am I going to gamble on whether or not I'm going to hit traffic? Cause I have a full-time job and I want to make sure I'm there, you know, in the office. And I'm like, okay. Is it worth $6 and 40 cents for me to get there in five minutes? 
if you do your tax, if you write it, you can write that off. Oh yeah. I, I totally, yeah, I included my taxes. So, so have you ever been on that express lane and it's more over traffic? $10? No, more traffic oh. than the actual road. Yes to both things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I noticed is, is, is I, I, you think that you're, you're not getting an advantage, but you see cars pass you. But what I try to do is I'll, I'll find one car. Yes. Right. I look at that car. It's like, okay, I'm going to see if that car, and if, your, and it your never pace fa- car. if it never fails, I will pass that car before I get to like right around 35th or 25th street. So I, I, it is worth it for me because I mean, it is worth it. But I was going to ask you, have you noticed the difference since you start paying? Have you ever, have you, well, ever, have you ever tried doing one of the big, cause I, I, I honestly did one show like the last one-to-one bar show that we played that you went to the CD release, right? I said, I was like, okay, I want to try this. I, if you notice, I did more posts than myself. And I was like, I'm not going to pay. I just want to see what happens. It's already, but it might be because it's a CD release party, a CD release, whatever. But I didn't pay for anything on that. Yeah. And it was, tacked. I think, you know, Ray, I've been to a lot of your shows. I don't even know that the advertising that you're paying for is necessary at this point. I didn't pay for that. Because I, well, I don't think I've been to an empty or like a a um, not full Ray Prim show. But since. I'm also posting my behind my butt. Can I say ass? Yeah, you can come. I'm also posting my ass off though. You know, it's like I like like I I mean, and I do stories. And that's another thing. You, you also make have a group, a close like a is it closed or is it? Can anybody join? It's closed now. Let's do. <laughs> Damn, not a shoe. No, I'm. Just I ain't saying, got nothing. No, but there's a thing I notice is I will get an email from Facebook when somebody posts in the group, yeah. and so that is that's one way to get around the algorithm is you have people that have bought in so that they're in a Facebook group. Yeah, I have Jackie not yet, Vincent. T- I have not done that. that. Jackie Vincent's got like like five thousand, like more than that. She's got a huge that that group. If you can get that group going, the only thing is, like I say, I won't take a chance with with. Um, Continental Club because I haven't been there long enough. So I did pay for the Continental Club, um, which called, and I got another guy playing with me, Zach Person. And and so. Oh, I like that dude. Yeah. That so, guy is going to be someone who blows up too. Oh, yeah. Zach Person, Very look him really up. Um, so this is, a, this is a good reason why, you know, you asked why do people want to move to different places? The collaboration, I mean, just, n- not necessarily collaboration, but the um networking here like the three of us in this room just sharing ideas about you know the ins and outs of posting on social media the the ins and outs of paying for ads but also you mentioned noel hampton from the bell sounds and uh, daisy o'connor and how they have given you advice so there's something to be said about being in the same geographic location as other people that are going through and have done a lot of the same things that you want to do um so i do think that that's one value of being in a town like austin i don't even know where all the other music towns are i just you know obviously there's nashville and la new york York is a little different and I, and I That's agree with somebody. Man. Someone told me once that New York is like where you go after you've already kind of been established, but it's not a great place to be discovered. It's a monster. Um, but so I want to get back to your album, Natalie. So you have an EP out and it's called Through the Fog. And we were talking a little bit, I, I got sidetracked, but about the production of the album. And so there's something that I notice 
that I noticed upon the first listen. And what it is is that there is a vibe to the whole album. So the songs are all different. There's different content. Uh, however, there's a vibe that kind of glues all those songs together, and it's kind of an ethereal feel. I don't know a way to describe that, but a lot of... Uh, I, can't, I can't even... Uh, ethereal is the only way I know how to describe it. Literally one of the words I sent my producer when we were talking about recording the album. I kept using the word ethereal. What does yeah. that mean? I don't even know the difference. So it's like atmospheric. Atmospheric. Like, like reverbs and and things that shimmer and kind of hold into the air. It's really like kind of like the dream sequence in a movie or some kind of montage or like kind of hazy shimmery guitars and and ethereal. and or like your <laughs> ethereal E T H E R E A L Maybe. <laughs> Once yeah, I was uh, a good could you spelling. use that in a sentence, please? Uh, the My origin. last album was Ethereals. <laughs> <laughs> so every song, although completely different in in subject matter um, and chords and keys, still kind of has this feel that holds it all together, which I thought is brilliant. Uh, the fact that you brought that to your producer and said, I kind of want to have this feel. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think um, the doubling of the vocals is is great. Um, I think that Brian Douglas Phillips, who is your producer, but also played most of the instruments, right, on the album. But what stands out the most to me is obviously the um, the pedal steel. When you went to him, were there other producers that you're considering how did you how did you natalie price who is not established at this time not established in this town get in contact with this producer who is very highly um respected and has produced some albums that are you know very high up on my list uh so how did you get connected with him I was in a season of, well, I knew that I wanted to record something. I felt like the next step for me is to record, even though like I'm not in a house where I'm drawing 50 people to a show. I felt like where I want to go, my next step is I need something professionally recorded because I felt like it was my resume for something bigger, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the thing that I, a way that I've grown personally, but also as a musician is realizing follow your ears. And, um, I, so I would, I was talking to the musicians like, well, who is your producer? Like, especially if I like their music. And, um, I went to Austin music foundation. They had their expo in every February. And so I'm, I would ran into a couple producers there and I was like, Oh, cool. And so then I'm like, well, can you send me a list of things you've worked on or things that you've produced? It's basically, that's their resume, you know? And so I would listen to other producers, like what they've produced. And I, I um, almost worked with one producer who is kind of in like a dark, like got like dream, uh, like goth, like electronic type band, which is amazing. But 
I almost worked with him because I really liked what he was doing. That was totally different maybe than my vibe, but I wanted to see what would happen. But then he kind of got famous. So that was out. So it was just like a process of elimination. Like, and, and then it's like the timing and do I have the money yet? And I, I didn't for most people. And, um, and you didn't do a Kickstarter. No, I didn't. I mean, who was going to fund it? That was me. I didn't have anyone that could have funded it. And I've done a lot of other fundraising type things in my past with different jobs and stuff. And so I just felt like, you know, my friends and family have already been there and done that. Yeah. And, I, and you I didn't, didn't want to dip into the well yeah, more than, I didn't, yeah. I, and I, I was really concerned with like people thinking, well, this is kind of a new twist, Natalie. You've done the writing thing. You've been a photographer. You've done this other these other things like ministries at churches and stuff. Like, I wanted people to take me seriously, and I felt like with if them if they weren't close with me, they wouldn't know that this is a solid path that I'm on. And like, I felt like I feel like it was really important for me that I I needed. I almost felt like I needed to prove myself and that I needed to do it myself the first time. So then it was trying to figure out, oh, like, is there a producer in town that's affordable? but one that I actually like what they do and any way you slice it, it seems like um, I've done the thing where friends will record things for you for free or at a discount or whatever. And I've never liked the results of that. Right. And so um, I kind of had a bit, a bad taste in my mouth from previous experiences. And I, I just basically, I learned follow your ear. Um, I met Brian at a, at the, um, uh, Beth James EP release, I think in spring of 2017. Right. And Another Brian, album he produced. Yes. Yeah. Bra- and I had just met them a few months before. Um, and he was playing pedal steel with them on stage that night. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, pedal is what I want to add to my music. Um, I don't really consider myself country per se, but I love pedal steel so much. So I was like, uh, like, I don't know. I still, I'm still a shy person. And I like worked up my nerve to go talk to this stranger person playing pedal steel. And I was like, I really liked what you did. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't necessarily have money to pay someone to play pedal steel with me, but he's like, Oh, I also produce their album. And I was like, Oh, I need to talk to you. Right. So, cause I'd heard their album. So I ended up, if I got more serious with the producer, I ended up meeting them for lunch or coffee or something. And just like, Hey, tell me how you work as a producer. Cause like, this is my first experience and I'm basically interviewing them, like yeah. trying to figure out if I want to work with them. And so I ended up maybe with at least two, if not three different producers over a lunch, just discussing how they would want to approach a project. And so I really liked how he gave me a list of things he'd worked on. Um, he told me how he works. I also asked for alternative, like a less expensive thing I could <coughs> do to kind of try out working with him. And so he has, he offers a workshop day where you come in and you just pay his day rate. You work on songs and he, I just wanted to see like, okay, as a producer, how much power is he going to take over the process? Like how, and do I trust his instinct and do we get along? Do I feel comfortable with him? And, and so I did a couple of those workshop days and we worked through probably seven, seven or eight songs. And that was what I ended up pulling from for the most of what I pulled from for the EP. But I enjoyed working with him. I trusted him. I liked his, his when he would look at a song and, and pick out the weak parts like oh, okay cool but he also let me he let me fix it like he didn't fix it for me necessarily yeah. like he's like you might want another verse here this probably needs another verse i'm like all right well let me write it and so i'm like scrambling to write a verse so that was cool so you had you had given up a little bit of control in that you trust this guy's work because you've heard so much of his exactly, work yeah. but then he's also giving you you know, he's allowing you to 
to make the changes that he felt as a longtime producer, you know, it sounds right if there's another verse here. Yeah. So now I, you know, now that I've known you for a little while and I know the songs on your EP, you're continually writing. You've, you've bounced ideas off me in the past. And so I know that you're constantly writing. And so is it a given or is, is it possible that on the next album, are you, is it a given that you're going back to Brian or are you going to go with kind of the feel of the songs as a, as a whole and, and reconsider the process again? I mean, I'm not quite ready to go back into the studio, but I mean, Brian would be my first choice. And if for some reason, like he might not be in a place, you know, like it, it's kind of, I'm not worried about it until I get there. Right. And then I'll probably go to him first um, and see if we can make something happen. But it's totally possible. Like life happens. So, cause I was going to work with a different producer and then he got famous like in a band. So who? Adrian Casada. <laughs> That's funny. I don't actually know the person. Well, okay. So speaking of this EP through the fog, where do you, where do people who like to listen to music find your, your EP? It should be. So if you listen to music anywhere digitally, it's probably there. So you can just search my name, Natalie Price, and then through the fog. And so Spotify, is iTunes still around? Is yes. It, is it well, on? I think it's It's Apple on music iTunes now. now or yeah. It's on Apple Music. It's on Amazon. It's on Tidal. It's on, I, there's a page on CD Baby. Um, I published through CD Baby or whatever, distributed through CD Baby. So I've been talking up this EP. I've been talking up your songwriting. I've been talking up the production of this EP. I highly recommend that you go out and listen to this album. Um, we played a little bit of a clip um, of uh, his bones, bones, bones in the dirt. At, at the beginning of the of, of the podcast. Um, what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is play a song that's not on the album. Sure. What's your thought? Uh. Okay. All right. So Natalie playing uh, a guitar that is near and dear to my heart, a Takamini guitar. Tom went with me to find this guitar, so that's cool. Well, that's yours? Yeah, this one's mine. Yeah, you should probably know by this point, I don't buy um, cutaways. Now, under normal circumstances, I would never let somebody that I care about buy a cutaway. You know what you should do? Wait, 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 wait. But this guitar, which is a cutaway, plays so well. Is that the correct English? Plays well or plays good? And when you're talking about the, the, the way a guitar plays. It sounds good. Well, it sounds great. It plays great because it's got this crazy neck. Somebody altered the neck a little bit and kind of tapered it. But um, I think they scalloped the frets a little bit too, which is very Steve Vai- Ingve Malmsteen, for those of you who are old enough to know. Um, anyway, it's a Takamini, and at this time I was uh, uh, really up on Takamini guitars, and and uh, so I was happy that she chose that one. Um, you just let me know whenever you're ready, and we'll. Uh, I have a suggestion it. for the for the podcast. Sure. You should only let people play your Takamini. And let them uh-huh. feel the Takamini. Ah, you kill two birds with one stone. Heck yeah, that's a good promotion. 
The good That's people at Takamini would probably be happy with um, that idea. Um, Takamini, can you send me one too? <laughs> I just, I'm just helping you out. I'm just thinking about you. Uh, you know what? Um, if you guys, speaking of uh, the good people at Takamini, I also want to just give a quick shout out. This podcast was recorded on the Roadcaster Pro, the world's first fully integrated podcast production studio. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, the Roadcaster Pro is all you will ever need. Find out more at road.com slash roadcasterpro. All right, Natalie, are you are y'all tuned up and ready to go? Sure. All right, what do you got for us? You want to intro it or tell a story? You just want to play. It's I mean, cool I can talk either about way. It later if you okay. want. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. It's okay to get older. 
Yeah. No, I like, you know what I really like? I what? like the length of your bridge. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you know, it's like, it, it's like so, a lot of times you go to go to bridge and then, you know, people do the doubled up, but that was nice and quick and I like that. It was cool. I wasn't expecting that. Thank Let me you. Know. So uh, I, I, it was a co-write with Miss Grace Pettis. She's amazing. Grace One Pettis. of my, yeah, Grace. Grace is. Grace, Grace is a great uh, singer-songwriter from our area as well. As a matter of fact, she's got a house show coming up tomorrow at Rawhide Trails that we're going to check out. I can't go to that. So Natalie, thank you so much for being the very first guest of singer-songwriter. I'm honored to have you. Ray Prim, I hope that you'll consider coming and being a guest co-host from time to time because once a year. <laughs> um, I uh, so let's let's do this. Um, what are the what are your social media connects? What are your how do people find you? Everything online is Nat Price Music. So Instagram is Nat Price Music. Facebook, you know, dot com backslash Nat Price Music. Twitter, Nat Price Music. Do y'all use Twitter? I mean, I have a Twitter. I, I do. I, I do. just post from Instagram. Yeah, I post. Instagram is my primary, but um, and then my website's natpricemusic.com. And I'm, so, uh, in town, what are your next dates? Uh, this Wednesday, July sixth at six thirty, I'm opening for Miss Julia Malanta. Yes. At one to one bar, and it'll be kind of a short set, but it'll be a duo with a drummer. Fred Mondahano. Oh, cool. Town. Yeah, it'll be a good one. And who? Mondahano. Fred Mondahano. Or Fred Ahano. I just call him Fred Ahano. All right. So we're looking forward to that. This will be out on Monday. So you guys have two days to get your plans to go see Natalie at one to one. Ray Prim, what are your socials? Um, what is your social security number? I don't know the I don't know the that back stuff because I didn't I wasn't smart well, like Nat. No, it's uh, just. So like you're, I could probably find it out. Well, mine are different. Just look up Ray Prim. Ray Prim with in. one M. Yeah, one M. Just but your Instagram in. is rayprim.com, right? The word dot. Yeah, com. the word dot com. It is it? Is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah rayprim.com. What's your next show after uh, Monday? After Monday. I have I have two shows. I have three shows this month. I'm, I'm, I'm trying something at the half step with just the trio um, on, on, on July 11th and July 18th. Then I have a big show. At the Continental Club with um, Zach Pearson. Yeah. Anything else coming up? Um, no. Okay. That's, that's it. I have my next show is August the eighth at Ta the Townsend in Austin with James Jean, and uh, I'm taking a little bit of time to get some songs written, Ooh. and uh, it's it's been a long time coming. And then Ray and I are okay. going to Los Angeles. Oh yeah. And uh, we're gonna play a uh, a a great house show in Huntington beach. Um, and then w there is also something in the works, uh, for a couple venues out there. And, uh, I'll announce those as they become confirmed, but they're, say don't jinx us. Yeah. I'm not going to jinx us. I think we're in good shape though for, for one of those shows. So any of you in the California or the Los Angeles area kind of stay tuned for that. Cause we want to get some heads out there and meet, meet you folks. Um, my name's Tom Meany. This was singer songwriter. Tune in every monday you can subscribe to this it would help me out if you subscribed you may be listening to this on facebook or youtube or from a link on twitter but subscribe via any app in which podcasts are uh 
distributed. Yeah, distributed. <laughs> iTunes, um, Spotify now, Google, uh, Pocket Cast. The 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 uh, podcast is now included on all of those. I've got that taken care of. Are you finally. On Podbean? Yes, Podbean? Podbean is my is my host. Cool. So uh, subscribe. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email singersongwriterpodcast at gmail.com, singersongwriterpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also go to my website, tommeany.com. Ray has just ruined the entire podcast. We have no, to do it, it all perfect. over again. It is perfect. That's my, that's my thing. I've got. Didn't you tell me to put it on airplane? No, that's my alarm. Oh, oh yeah. Alarms water. keep going off. That's what went off when we went to that show the other night. And I had this in airplane. Anyway, thanks for listening. It's been uh, a blast talking to my two good friends. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. I'll put an orchestra in your head Every time you go to bed Let that sweet, sweet melody Blow your scary memory away. KTOM. Beautiful.